the Havod Levavot says that this weakness, if we're able to tap into it, the Yetzirah will lose completely his koach, his strength over us. We've learned how powerful the Yetzirah is. But he says that this weakness makes him very, very easy to beat. He has no power in this area. Which area? We said that a person who is living on the surface, a shallow person, that's where the Yetzirah hangs out. In the world of shallowness, you'll find them. But once, but once you go and become a person of depth, as you dig deeper and become a deeper person, then you will not find the Yetzirah over there. Very nice information to know that. And we spoke how a person can become a person of depth. He said, a person has to think, has to use his mind. So I was asked by a few people to give some examples of how a person can use his thoughts to make him a person of depth. We already spoke about learning. When a person learns, he should think about his learning in depth. When he listens to something, worthwhile he should think deeper than the words that he hears with his ears but I'd like to share with you some other common situations that a person of depth or a person who wants to be a person of depth can actually utilize daily in their lives so Number one, I'd like to share with you a thought about the subject of thinking. When you tell people to think about things, they get scared. That's what I've noticed in life. Right away, when you tell people that they need to think more, it's like you put some bricks on their head. It feels very heavy. Because they've been in life, probably in many situations, when they overthink and they think again and they think again and they can't sleep and they're tired from thinking. So basically, we have a, we have a real negative experience in life when we think a lot. It causes us to be emotionally tired and sometimes physically tired too. It's very often confusing because we keep thinking about the same thing too many times. We start to lose our, our mind, literally, sometimes in that area. So when you tell a person, you know, we need you to start thinking more in life, right away, he's getting a little nervous. Because he wants to release himself of the thoughts that uh, he struggles with. And now we're telling him to think more. So, I think it's important to address this issue first. That when we speak about, the, I'm going to read for you the words of the Alishur, who addresses this point. 
Ravolva Alava Shalom, the great, great man. His words are very precious. Every, every letter he writes is very precious. So I, I, I don't know if I fully understand what he's saying, I'll be honest. Like most of the things he writes, I can't tell you I understand fully. He's a person of tremendous depth. So even when you think you understand it, you realize after you read it again that you didn't understand the first time. But certainly from his words, we can get something. That's the goal. Listen to these words. He says, He says, the great thinkers, he says, all of them, he is Hiru. They warned us. That a person shouldn't think Meaning, thinking shouldn't be a difficult and uh, something that you're exerting too much effort. Like, like you're, you're sweating from thinking. If you're sweating from thinking and you're finding it that it's burdensome, so then you're doing it wrong. That's not what we mean when we say a person needs to think. It doesn't mean he has this pressure on his head where he's putting thoughts and it feels very, very heavy. Ella, dafka bekalut, which means when we say about thinking, it should be things that come light. Light, the thoughts aren't light, but the thinking is light, not heavy. Which means so much so that a person should feel sweetness in these thoughts, pleasure in these thoughts, not something that's making his life heavy. He says, thoughts, it's not similar. To a person who's chopping down wood. That's a heavy job. Thinking should not be like that. It's like playing a musical instrument. That's what thinking is supposed to feel like. He says, I just gave you a very important big rule. In the work of thinking, I gave you melacha to think. So you might go and say, okay, I got to sit there and I got to squeeze my muscles in my brain and I got to focus in a way where it feels pressure and I feel the weight and I'm exerting myself and I'm saying to myself, okay, I'm doing great. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. They told me to think. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm crunching my muscles and my eyes and I'm, says the Alishur, that's not what we're talking about. If you're doing it like that, you're doing it wrong. Your, the thought process has to come from a light, enjoyable, musical type of experience. A violin. He's saying, what does it mean, kalut? I mean, easy. means your mind should be relaxed when you're thinking. If your mind is too tense when you're thinking, you're, doing, you're not doing it right. One more time. 
A beautiful thought that was just put over here is that when a person is thinking and they're relaxed, they're in a good place. If you're tense and you're thinking, so something is wrong. Not necessarily we're figuring out over here how to do it, but at least it's worthwhile to know that when we speak about thinking, we don't mean that one. That one, the heavy tension, it, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking something that's relaxed and smooth and musical. Such nice word. You know what he's saying? Beautiful. He's saying that one of the signs that a person is thinking correctly and is in the right place is that they're relaxed. But if it's coming with tension already, it's a sign that the thoughts are not in the right place. Thoughts that are real and good and right should not come with tension. They should come with easiness. Jack's saying very, very correctly that a person who lives with bitahon automatically, his thoughts are going to be more calm. He is generally a calm person. So obviously, his thoughts will be calm. So beautiful. I think we have a better understanding of the Al-Ishur. Basically, a person, the right thoughts, again, he's not necessarily telling you how to do it. He's just telling you the reality. The reality is that if you're in a relaxed, you feel good about what you're thinking, you feel right about what you're thinking, you're in a good place. If you don't feel good about it, if it feels heavy and tense, then you're in the wrong arena. So when we speak about being a person of mahshava, he's telling you we're not thinking of that one. We're thinking of the mahshava that is relaxed. We said that a person has in his mind certain things that, are, that can mess up their decisions. They can cloud their thinking. If a person is calm, so then all of that cloudiness goes to the bottom like a wine bottle. If you don't shake it, all the sediments come to the bottom. You drink it, it's clean. But if you shake it, so then every, every piece of every wine is going to have a little bit in it of something that isn't good. He's saying the same thing in the mind. If a person is not relaxed, that means his mind is thinking not in a healthy way. And then all the negative clouds that are in the mind could enter a person's decision making. Very nice. Anyway, that's the first thing I wanted to share with you on this subject because I believe that people who either try it or hear about trying it, they probably get nervous that mahshava is something that is tedious and difficult and burdensome. And that's not what it's supposed to be. It's not what we're talking about. Now, an example. An example of a person who is called an ish mahshava. Are you a person of thought? Are you a person that lives beneath the surface? Are you shallow or the opposite? What can be one of the things that can test this area of your life? So one simple one. I'll tell you something, a great man in Europe, there was a great man, very, very big, big rabbi. His name was Rav Chaim Ozer Grzynski. He was a very, very big man. He was a genius in Torah. He was well-known worldwide as one of the gedolim, if not the gadol of the generation. Very, very big man. One of his Kabbalah he made, out of Yom Kippur, he writes in one of the books it's written, 
he took upon himself on Erev Kippur, he says, I'll say it in Hebrew, Lachshov Kodem Kol Dibur. Imagine this Kabbalah. He took a Kabbalah before Kippur. Lachshov to think Kodem before any time I speak. What a, what a beauty. Could you imagine such a great man, an Adam Gadol, with all of his Torah and all of his Midot, yet he found that this area of his life is very important and perhaps he may be suffering from not thinking before he speaks. That's an Ish Mahshava. If he has to think a few seconds before he talks, maybe we have to wait a week before we talk. But that's not so practical. Let's not exaggerate. But the idea is, before we say something, we think about what we're about to say. It's a moment, it's not uh, days. It's a moment in time that we think before we say something. Especially, especially, especially by the way, this applies not only in difficult conversations, obviously. If a person is about to have a difficult conversation, he should think before he speaks. But it should apply even in regular conversations. That even before a person says to somebody, a hello, a Shabbat Shalom, if possible, to put a little thought before you say it, it makes what you say so much more powerful and meaningful. Meaning, not only is it important to think before you talk so you don't say the wrong words, simply that's why he's doing it. doesn't want to say the wrong things. But I'm adding that if you think before you talk, even what you do say, has a lot more power and flavor to it because your thoughts are included in the words. So here's a great example of a person who is an Ish Mahshavat, a person who trains himself that before he says something, he thinks about it. At the very least, a person who walks into his house, at the very least, there should be moments in our lives, intervals where we stop, and think about what we're doing, meaning when you go over from thing to thing, from person to person, from work to the house, from house to work, from shul to the, to the meaning at least when a person is changing who he's talking to or he's changing the place that they're at, if a person can make and take upon themselves that whenever something new is starting, they start they put a mahshava before they start talking. This is a person who is going to be secure from the yetzer hara of the words <coughs> that come out that ruin so much in this world. So many things in this world are ruined through words. What happened? Happened is the person wasn't thinking before he spoke. It's not like what he said, you have to be a genius to know you shouldn't say it. He knows that. But because he's not thinking, people ask all the time, right? What were they thinking? What was he thinking? Right? So the answer is he wasn't thinking. That's what the rabbi is saying. The rabbi is saying that take upon yourself. Again, when you're not thinking, you're in the arena with the yesara. When you're not a thinking person, if you just talk, 
If you're not a thinking person, you're living with the Yetzirah and he has control. If you're a thinking person, all of a sudden he's gone. And now your relationships and your words are so much finer and so much more uplifting and the relationships will follow. Beautiful words. Ish A person who thinks before they speak. One time the Hafez Haim, he gave advice to somebody who was troubled how he could do this. He listened to a class like this and he uh, said, how do I get this done? So he told him, he says, treat your words like you're sending a letter. When you write a letter to somebody, you read it, you read it again, not like we send text messages. Don't, don't, today even letters don't mean anything. But if you write a letter to someone, usually you look at the words, you read it again, you make sure you didn't say anything that might be offensive, maybe something that wasn't clear or could be misunderstood. You read it again and again. Says the Hafez Haim, when you talk, he says, imagine that you're sending a letter. And that's the way you should think your words before that you say them. Now, it's important to know why is a person supposed to think before they speak? So we already gave a few examples why. But don't forget, there is in the Torah, I don't know if you're aware of this, there is an Isur from the Torah. One of the 613 mitzvot, Torah says, Velo tonu ish et amito. What does it mean, lo tonu? Mean don't cause pain to somebody. The Gemara says, what kind of pain are we talking about? Are we talking about physical pain? Are we talking about financial pain? Right? What kind of pain are we talking about? Lo tonu ish et amito, the Gemara says, Ona'ad devarim. Ona'ad devarim means to cause pain to someone with your words. So ona'ad devarim is an isur from the Torah. You didn't take anything from the guy. You didn't damage his house. You didn't damage his body. You only spoke. If you speak and it causes pain to someone... You're guilty of one of the isur from the Torah. Lo tonu ish et amito. That applies, of course, to strangers. And it applies very much also to people that are very close to us. Like a wife, like children, like brothers and sisters. A person is commanded, just like we're commanded, not to eat something that's not kosher. And we're commanded. That we should not be mehalel Shabbat. We are commanded that we should not cause pain to someone through our words. The Gemara in Masechet Baba Metzi'ah asks, like what? For example, what are we talking about when we say you should not cause pain to someone with words? The Gemara says, for example, HaKetzad, Im haya Baal Teshuvah. Let's say a guy was not always so observant. He was a little bit off the derech. 
and he's trying to wait, make his way back. A person should not remind him of who he was. For example, you got a little disagreement with him and you say, come on, I know you. You don't remember what you used to do. You don't remember where, we, where you went. You don't remember what you did. You don't remember. I know you. Have you ever seen people say that? Come on, I really know who you are. That's, that's an isur from the Torah. Reminding someone of his negative past, whether it's a negative past in time and years, or it's a negative action that they did, and you remind them of that because you're trying to basically show their weakness, right? You pick on something that you experience or you know about that person. That is ona'ad devarim. Person who does that is alverin isur deoraita. Another example the Gemara gives. If a person lo'alenu is sick, he got sick. Oh God forbid, Gemara gives an example. He buried his child. Terrible tragedy took place either to him or to his family. Guy comes to be menahem, to visit him. Either he's coming to be mevaker holim, bikur holim, or he's coming to be menahem abel. Gemara says, he sits down and he tells him, listen, what could you expect with all your averot? I mean, it's you know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, your your Shabbat isn't the way it's supposed to be. Your kashrut is off. Your you don't learn Torah. Yeah, yeah. What? Now, by the way, it could be true. It could be true. But that's guilty of an isur from the Torah. Why? Because you caused the guy pain through your words. You didn't help him. You caused him pain. In a conversation, not there. A different situation. You could talk to a guy. You could talk to him with a hint. You could discuss it in public and the guy happens to be there. Of course, there's ways to give messages to people. Not all messages that are correct are supposed to be shared in every situation. You'll say, but what did I say? Of course, we know. Hazal tell us that no suffering comes if not for sin. We know that. I know, but that's not what you're supposed to be doing now. The guy is in pain. You're not supposed to be giving him more guilt and more pain. You're in the wrong place to do something like that. It's called on. So again, why is someone doing this? Why is someone, not a bad guy who said this. He's not thinking. He, he learned something which happens to be correct, but, he, but he's not realizing it's, it's wrong timing. Not, not the situation for it. I mean, people make a lot of dumb, that, that was an extreme one, but people make a lot of dumb comments. For example, a guy hurts his ankle. His friend sees him. Oh, what happened? Oh, I'm so sorry. See him, I, 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 I sprained my ankle. He's, oh, my, you know what happened to me? I was suffering for months. You're going to see. Every time it rains, your, your ankle is going to kill you. You've heard those conversations? 
Like, what a hamor. What are you doing to the guy? What is the goal of telling him that? That's ona'at devarim. You're causing pain to the guy. You see a guy, he bought a watch. He bought a car. How much you pay for it? Um, are you, you're kidding, right? Tell me you're kidding. Tell me you're kidding. You didn't pay that much, right? Come on, tell me you're kidding. You got ripped off. I got it for you for 20000 less. That's it. The guy bought it already. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you telling? What's wrong with you? Now, if he didn't buy it and you told him that, great, beautiful. You're helping the guy. You would be wrong for not telling him. But after he bought it, all it is is causing him pain. It even happens in marriage, unfortunately. Guy gets married and people stop making comments about either the family or about the girl or about this, it's over. You don't make comments about people after the deal is done. Very, very normal for well-meaning people to make ridiculous comments. Sometimes we make innocent comments. For example, for example, it's called Ona'ad Devarim. If you're talking to a caterer and you tell him last night I went to, to a party in the city, the caterer there, I'm telling you the food, not normal. The food was unbelievable. You have no idea how awesome the food was. Right? You tell a guy, you tell a guy something that's relevant to his business about someone else that's doing it so much better than him. That is painful. Again, if there's a goal, if you want to help the guy, tell him, you know, I, the potatoes last night, they made them this way, you might want to think about how to do that. That could be a helpful comment. But to make a comment about somebody else's, you know, competition or somebody else's product in front of the guy is on a devarim. You don't mean it that way, but you're not thinking. Some, how many times does it happen? Unfortunately, you have to be so careful. We all have to be. Talking to myself. How many times does it happen when you went to an engagement party or to a wedding and you saw an older single? Maybe an older sibling. Maybe an older cousin. And you say, no, well-meaning, well-meaning, but you think that that person wants to hear that from you? You basically, you're saying that they don't care? Are you saying they don't try? You're basically pouring salt on their wound. What are you telling them new for? Again, you don't mean it that way, but it's on devarim. You're not thinking. Before you think, tell someone new, wait, relax. Even to tell them about by you sometimes is not so good. Sometimes, because they feel that they understand what you mean. And they're tired of hearing about by you. So you have to be, again, you don't mean it, you mean well, you're trying to bless them, you're trying to push them, you have all the right ideas. But it's not about that. You're not thinking. When you're not thinking, the Yetzirah's arena. 
When you're in the Yesara's arena, all the right words can be wrong. All the, all the correct things to say are the wrong things to say. Because you're in the Yesara world. Once you start thinking, you say, I, I can't say that. That's not the right words to say. I'll give you one, one last example for today. One last example. Where we can exercise this concept in our daily life. It's not a, such an easy one, but it's a great one. The Pasuk says, Ma gadlu ma'asecha Hashem. We say how great Hashem is great. His actions are awesome. He's feeding the entire world. All the animals, all the humans, all the fish, all the, the rodents, all the flies. Imagine how many things in this world this morning when the, when the morning came. Imagine how many different creatures in the world needed to be fed. Hashem is taking care of all of them. He's a gadol. He's taking care of all their needs, not only in food, but also give them life, also to give them strength, also to give them everything. Hashem says David Miller. Hashem is such a gadol. When we speak about great people in Judaism, we say there are certain people, they're called gedolim. Where did that word come from? From Hashem. Ma gadlu ma'asechan. Hashem is such a gadol. Good. The end of the Pasuk says, Me'od ameku mahshevotecha. And your thoughts are so deep. Meaning, Hashem sees beyond the surface. Hashem sees much deeper. When you see in depth means you see what others may not be able to see. Hashem is able to see tremendously deep. He's able to see things that nobody would even dream to see. He sees it. Your thoughts are very deep. So the question is, what's the connection between the beginning of the Pasuk and the end? Hashem, you're so great. You're such a gadol. And you're so deep in your thoughts. What's the connection? The answer is, the answer is, very important to know this. You should know a rule for life. Here's the rule for life. I mentioned this once before. That people in life, 99.9% .9 of situations in life, people will not tell you when they need something from you. You have to know that. That's a reality. 99.9% .9 of situations in life, people will not tell you, I need something from you. A person might need you to come over and say hello to them. They're not going to ask you. A person might need you to smile to them. They're not asking you. A person might need you to say, give them a compliment. They're not asking you. A person might need you to give them a call. They're not asking you. Unless the person is so dire that he's dying with no food on the table, then you'll find people asking. Unless the person is screaming from pain on the floor, he needs that salah, then they're going to ask you. But most people in life, your children included, your spouse included, they're not asking you. Most people will not ask you what they need from you.
people will not ask. It's a, uh, it might be a pride thing. It might be a kavot thing. How does a person become a gadol? A great person, a great husband, a great father, a great friend, a great Jew. How do you become a gadol, a great person? Well, a great person, he does for others. He gives them the right words when they need it. He gives them the right money when they need it. He gives them the right wisdom when they need it. He gives them his presence when they need it. What's a gadol? A gadol, you know, a person comes into this world, they're a katan. They're a katan because they only think about themselves. How big could you be if your whole world is you? You're nothing. You're a little guy. The more that you include people in your life, the more you're feeling responsible for others, the bigger of a person you become. So if you started small, then you included your brother, then you included your sister, then you included your spouse, then you included your children, and then you included others, and then all of a sudden you start including strangers too. And the more people you include in your life, the more people, the, the bigger of a person you are. Why is Hashem a gadol? Because the whole world is on his mind. Everybody's on his mind. Every animal's on his mind. Every single creature is on his mind to take care of its needs. Hashem is gadol. And that's really our mission in life, is to be gadol like Hashem, to be also great. But the pasuk says, how did Hashem become a gadol? So me and you would say, what do you mean how did he become a gadol? Became a gadol by, by giving to others. No. Says the pasuk, you know how Hashem became a gadol? And what's stopping us from being gadol? Hashem's thoughts are very deep. What does it mean Hashem's thoughts are very deep? It means Hashem knows what people need without them asking. His thoughts are deeper than their request. And their own knowledge may not have understanding of what they need. Hashem is deep thoughts. He's able to see what people need even though they don't ask Him. Even they themselves may not realize Hashem's thoughts are very deep. Why do we need to know this? Because this is the formula of our greatness as well. To be a great person and to give others when they ask you, so then basically you're a very limited person. You're not going to have too many opportunities in life to be giving others of yourself if you're waiting for the time that someone's going to ask you. You will have opportunities, but very, very small, rare opportunities. To be a gadol, you have to be able to see the opportunities even when nobody's asking you. You have to look at somebody and realize they need right now a pat on the back. They didn't ask you. You have to be able to think deeper than what the person is showing you. You have to be able to see your children deeper than what they look on the outside. You have to look at your spouse in depth to realize what she might be needing and you're not, she's not asking you, she's not telling you. At the end of the day, we're all built automatically to be givers. People might disagree with that and say, what do you mean? I know a lot of people that don't give. Not true. If I will tell you even in this selfish world that we live in, 
if there's somebody on the street that's screaming and somebody's walking by, I don't know a person that will keep walking. I, it doesn't matter where he's going. It doesn't matter if he's going to an important meeting. It doesn't matter if he's going to catch a flight. If there's somebody on the floor screaming and you don't know them and they're yelling and screaming for help, you're not keeping, you're not, you're not walking. You're going to stop and see what you can do to help them. But I thought you're a selfish person. Obviously, you're not a selfish person. Obviously, when you know you're needed, you help. The problem with our generation is not a selfish generation. It's a generation that doesn't see the need. People don't think. So that there's somebody in front of you that desperately needs you, but you don't see it. So obviously, if you don't see it, you're not going to help them. The, the greatness of a person is their ability to see the need when the person is not saying it. To see a guy screaming on the floor and he's smiling at you. But he's screaming. He's screaming for your attention. He's screaming for your help. But he's not letting you see it. One thing for sure that you can just assume that everybody is screaming for a compliment. Everybody loves a compliment. Everyone needs strength. You can just assume that. You don't have to even think, who's this guy? Where does he come from? What's his name? What's his family? You don't have to even think. Clear. Everybody's poor when it comes to getting a compliment. Everybody could use a little hizuk, a sincere compliment, of course. Everybody can use that. Everyone is hungry for that. You don't have to. That means every guy you see is screaming for strength. A person to become a gadol you need You need to think in depth. When you don't think about what the person needs, when you look at the person on the surface, so you don't see anything. You don't see any, any issues. But as you think about the person, where they are, what they might be experiencing, it could be their age, it could be their situation, it could be their financial status, it could be anything. A person starts thinking about the person, amok. All of a sudden, you see a great person. And that's really the, the, the way of the Torah again and again so many times. It says, for example, by Abraham Avinu, when he saw the guests, it says, Vayar, he saw them. And then it says, Vayar, again, he saw them again. What's the second Vayar? Vayar is, he felt what they needed. By Yosef, it says, Vayar, he saw them in jail. He saw something was wrong with them. They didn't ask him for his help. They didn't say, we're bothered by something. Yosef saw their face, something was wrong. And he engaged them. The greatness of great people is the ability to see what's going on in the person behind the walls of the person. And that's how they become great people. I'll just finish off by telling you a story. I love the story because it gives such a clarity to this subject. There was a great rabbi named, the book's name that he wrote is called the Beta Levi. He's known by his book, the Beta Levi. So the Beta Levi, one time Eret Pesach, as he's preparing for the Seder, he's preparing for Pesach. One day, well, this, this, excuse me, that afternoon, a fellow knocks on his door. He says, Rabbi, I have a question. Could you help me? Eret Pesach, the rabbi is busy. Now they ask him, okay, what's the issue? He says, I have a question. Can a person fulfill his obligation of the four cups? With, with milk. Instead of wine, he wants to drink milk. Can he do it with milk? 
Now, this is like, this is not like an open halacha and shohan aruch. It's like, you have to go study it, go learn it. The rabbi says, I have to think about that question. It's a great question. He said, but wait right here. He goes to the room, the back, tells his wife, he says, Rebetzin, do me a favor. Get me from the safe 25 rubles. Now, rubles were very, it's a lot of money. It's like, like giving the guy $10,000. She gives them the money. The rabbi says, gave him the money. He tells the guy, do me a favor. Take this. Take this 25 rubles. You know, the, rab- the guy says, no, no, rabbi, please. I didn't come for that. I know. Don't worry. Take it. When you have it, pay me back. Take it. Okay. He gives him. The guy leaves. The rabbi, the Rebetzin says to the rabbi, he says, you know, I, I, I understand that you gathered that from his question, he didn't have one. Okay, I, I, I got that. But why'd you give him $10,000? For one, you don't, you don't need that much money. Say so the rabbi said to her, if the guy doesn't have money for one, you think he bought food? If he has meat? You think he bought his children uh, clothing for the holiday? You think his wife has something nice to wear? Right? So, so therefore, he gave him. I say that story because look at how many levels you can go in depth. If it was me, I'm just saying if it was me, I may not even open the door. Tell him the rabbi's sleeping. If you have questions, come before Pesach. You have to come now, I'm busy. So if I open the door, if I open the door, I already would feel like I'm a gadolador. I open the door to a guy who wants me at a Pesach while I'm busy. If I open the door and he asked me a question and I answered the question and I looked it up, I would say I'm a double gadolador. This great man saw deeper. He saw, he, the guy asked a question, but he understood from the question that the guy needs something. His wife was able to go in the same depth as the husband, but her husband went even deeper, which means she also understood that the guy must be missing wine, so she gave him wine. But he also, he went even deeper, and he's thinking, what's that, if he's missing wine, how much else is he missing? That means the more a person is able to go in depth, the more he'll be able to realize that people are screaming for help. And when people are screaming for help, you can help them. That is the, the, the road of being a great person. Being able to see, mahshava means when you look at people, see deeper their needs than what meets the eye. The more you see, the more you're going to be able to do and become a great person. That's another avenue of an ish mahshava. So again, an ish mahshava, today we give examples, is someone who thinks before they talk, make sure they don't say anything hurtful or don't talk nonsense that might be disruptive. And a person who's able to think and see the depth in the people's needs that they may not be expressing with their mouth or their body. Have a great day.